for joining Time Out with PSOA, where sports officials share their stories to help recruit, train, educate not only sports officials, but players, coaches, administrators, and fans. Through this information, we're going to help make us all better for the game. Thank you for taking time out with PSOA. Today, we will have softball rules talk with our special guest, Jim Buley. Jim is an NCAA Division I umpire, has been selected to work the NCAA tournament, has worked the NAIA World Series, supervises softball umpires for the Great Plains Athletic Conference, and assigns umpires at the high school and select level in and around Omaha, Nebraska. Jim, thank you for taking time out with PSOA today. What are some first words of wisdom you have for our listeners? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to you all for listening and joining us today. And it's an honor um, to be a part of this. And I want to say thanks to Sean, who's pretty loyal and and dedicated into a lot of the training in all sports. So not only softball, baseball, football, and basketball, but he does a lot of things right. So I'm not here to campaign, but keep up the good work. Um, One of the things I'd like to mention to everybody as far as on the softball side of things is be patient. Um, Your time will come. Again, there's no guarantees. You know, you're going to have to reach out. And and I always say network. Don't get used to working with the same officials. Um, You'll make yourself a better person. Availability will be there, recognition, and you'll meet others that will get you to whatever level you'd like to get to. And, again, it's one of those things where if you want to be strictly a JV ball uh, umpire, so be it. I'm okay with that. But you've got to realize that you have to – Look yourself sometimes in the mirror and say, can I do this? Everybody wants to get there and they want to get there on a fast track. And as I said, you've got to be patient with it because it's a, I was a late bloomer. I was a baseball umpire myself and flipped over and believe me, I caught all the heat. Um, I didn't even know what a softball looked like, but, um, and I did because I played men's ball and I traveled all over the country doing the game as far as playing it as a, as a, as a ball player myself. So, but again, be patient again, network, um, be willing to, to take that uh, constructive criticism and learn from it. And don't be the first to be the one to speak. You know, I always say, listen first. So, and good, thank you again. Good words of wisdom there. Uh, today's conversation is going to revolve around the softball rules that cause most anxiety, confusion, and conversation inside the softball community. Um, Jim, as we go through each rule, um, if you could first give the listeners what the actual rule is and then the best practices to adjudicate the rule, and then once the rule is applied, how you have communicated with players and coaches for that aid and development of understanding the rule. Um, first rule we're going to talk about is illegal pitches. Um, so, Jim, if you could go through the different types of legal pit- illegal pitches how do you split responsibilities between umpires on the field? Um, how to adjudicate them with the penalty? And then the communication um, when they do come up. So the illegal pitch effect, um, again, know, know the program or the association you're working for, rather be USA, NCAA, UTRIP, or any in-house, um, because there's a difference between illegal pitches in every organization, slightly. It's slightly, and that's the thing is where if you're working at tournament, get that information ahead of time, you know, and study it because I can tell you myself, I've got to glance at it again based on 
what association am I working today? So um, I'll confuse myself and we're just humans. So, you know, the illegal pitch is something that basically a pitcher has done something either maybe taken the signals in the, in the, in the college level, not on the pitching rubber, you know, maybe bringing their hands together too long, uh, maybe jumping off the pitching, pitching plate, uh, maybe moving that back foot back where they're not supposed to based on whatever, again, association you're associated with, maybe not having both feet on the pitching plate. Some have it on the pitching plate, some are not required. So you can start back into college level, but once you start back, you cannot move that back foot again. Maybe you're sliding outside the 24 inch lane, you know? So there's a lot of things we're looking for and it's a teamwork. I mean, a lot of times I always say, let me have the top half as a home plate umpire, you as a base umpire, if we're working multiple three, four umpires, we're probably looking at feet and we can all join in and grab something. If you see something, you say something. And we always want to grab those illegal pitches early because it not only does it set the tone, but you may get blocked on occasions and then you're making another little step here and they're tweaking in your position on the bases to see, hey, I think I saw what I saw. It's almost like a, I want to say a balk. If it doesn't look right, more than likely it's illegal. But if you can't explain it, don't apply it. Um, you know, I've had it to where a coach had convinced an umpire at first base and said, she's illegal all the time. You need to call her for an illegal pitch. And I'm out in the, you know, the field just taking a look and watching on the outside of the fence. And here comes the illegal pitch. And it wasn't an illegal pitch. Don't let a coach convince you. And again, you've got to put your nose in the book and identify what that is player is doing wrong because a coach sometimes may or may not want you to explain that. And if they do, please be courteous and do explain it. You know, you can't be arrogant about anything, you know, be professional, just like you're talking to your boss on your regular job or your, your, your wife, you, you've got to treat these people the same and the respect will be, will come back and, and it'll, it'll be a big benefit to you. So, um, Again, you could have a dead ball illegal pitch right out of the gates, you know. So um, you could have a legal pitch, like I said, from jumping off the foot status outside the 24, as I mentioned. So everything is slightly different. You could add a ball on the batter, you know. You may be advancing a runner in some some different uh, associations. So, again, take a look at whatever association you're looking for or working for and then go ahead and apply that rule per that association. So. So I know uh, you talked about the the penalty. Let's let's start with NCAA. If you um, go work your games this weekend and you see an illegal pitch, what's the application for the NCAA rule? If I get it before anything starts, I'm going to go ahead and kill it. You know, got a dead ball, and I'm going to point. Basically, I've got an illegal pitch. They don't like you pointing. You point for a purpose or with the purpose, but uh, and then probably explain what I had. So. Um, if I've got runners on base, I'm going to throw my left arm out and, and I'm going to basically verbalize illegal, you know, illegal. So everybody can hear me. There are going to be times when you can't rather be win crowd, you know, so after the pitch is concluded and if somebody hasn't reached first base and been awarded first base, we're going to get together to make sure we have the count right and everybody heard you know, or at least witness the illegal pitch. Because sometimes nobody knows what's going on. If you got a quiet, soft voice out there, they may not even have seen your hand go out. They may not have heard you. 
So a lot of times, again, I pregame many of these things early on, you know, before we even step out to the field to say, hey, listen, when we get something like this, let's make sure we're all on the same page. All right. And then going into the summer season, you're very involved in USA softball. When an umpire sees an illegal pitch in USA, what's the proper mechanic and penalty for it? Again, in USA softball, it states here, if the batter hits the ball and reaches first base safely, and if all other runners have advanced at least one base on the batted ball, the illegal pitch is nullified. So if they reach first base and everybody else has at least advanced one base, everything's been nullified. All action as a result of the batted ball stands, no option is given. When a base base runner passes a base, again, we're considered that we have touched that base. Otherwise, the manager may have the option to take the result of the play or the illegal pitch is enforced by awarding a ball to the batter. If an illegal pitch hits the batter, hits the batter out of the strike zone, the batter is awarded first base and all runners are awarded one base only if forced to advance. So if we have runners at obviously third base, only if forced, if it's a hit by a batter. So we all know that if it's a hit by a batter, more than likely inside batter's box, you know, they're going to be awarded first base. So that's the interpretation for USA. And then it takes us into the fall season where here in the state of Nebraska, that's when the softball is played. What's the rule adjudication for NFHS and the high school rule? The same as USA. There's one exception, you know, we'll have to look it up, 611, exception 123. So I don't currently have that up on my <laughs> my computer. I could pull it up real quick, but uh, just as a reference, everybody can go back and take a look at that. It's always good to get your nose into the book, not only the book, but also the case book. You learn more out of the case book than you probably will out of the rules book. Yep. Moving on to the, the second rule, it's a very unique rule um, for softball, and it's the look-back rule. Um, can you talk coaches, players, umpires that are listening to this podcast, what is the rule, what are umpires looking for, and then when the rule is taken advantage of, what is the penalty? Okay, the look-back rule um, shall be in effect for all runners when the ball is live. The batter runner has reached first base or has been declared out, and the pitcher has possession and control of the ball within the pitcher's circle. When a runner is legitimately off of a base, the runner may stop, but then immediately return to the base or advance to the next base. Once the runner stops at a base for any reason, the batter or the runner will be declared out if leaving the base. There are five scenarios described in the batter runner's responsibilities after touching first base. Um, and again, you guys can go ahead and take a look at these rules. Uh, this is the USA was eight, seven dot T one dash three, and then affects A through E. Uh, and there's one exception as well. So the look back rule, again, it, all they have to do is basically once somebody's reached first base and the pitcher has the ball in her possession, it could be under her arm, in her glove, between her legs. She has to have possession of the ball. It cannot be rolling up and down. Um, she cannot be making a play. Otherwise, the look back is off. You have to use some common sense sometimes. If somebody's clearing a cleat, are you going to call that? Look at the integrity or the intent of that individual and say, are they just clearing the cleat? 
Um, you know, maybe someone kicked the bag and, you know, they lifted their foot slightly. You're probably not going to call that. I mean, take a look at the intent. Like I said, um, if somebody's wandering off, hey, sometimes that's the only way they learn. And for most, you know, most of the time, coaches understand they know the rule. Um, again, if you've got two people off at the same time for whatever reason, during the look during the look back application or the rule, you can only call one out. You cannot grab two outs, although we'd like to, but you cannot <laughs> do that. So, because um, our, our our goal is to you know call strikes and call outs, people safe and outs. So, but it's it's really a, a self explanatory. If you're on the lines, you're considered in. And again, we pregame this knowing previous history of teams and players, athletic ability. You know, there may be a pitcher that likes to walk outside the circle. Next thing you know, the runner takes off as soon as she turns her back or turns her head. And it's real important. We always say when you take that diamond, all eyes have got to be on that ball at all times. And most of the time, the look back rule comes into play when, like you said, the teams are taking advantage Banner, batter runner gets to first base. There's a runner on third base, and now you got that first and third situation. Um, is that when your red red flag goes up and you really have to pay attention to what the pitchers and runners are doing? You do because the, the runner at third can come off if the runner at first hasn't reached or is, the runner at third has been off and not made an attempt to go home. So if she hasn't reached first base yet, you know, in reality, it doesn't come into play until the batter runner or the you know, the, the, the batter has reached first base. So, um, you know, and, and to talk to coaches, I always, again, I always like to listen, you know, hands down, not crossed, approachable. And I may slightly turn a little bit, but I'm paying attention. And for the most part, they, they want a listener. And then once you explain it to them, and if you could cite it, it's great. Some people are a lot smarter than I am. They can go word for word. And, um, apply the rule. But for the most part, again, they know the rule. We, we know the intent, they know the intent. And if we were to reverse it, you know, how would you, you, I wouldn't get in the habit of asking them, you know, if this was for you, how would you feel about it? But in reality, you got to know your audience. You got to know your coach, the higher you climb, you certainly don't want to ask that question. We do the same for you, coach. You know, we're going to continue to work hard. You know, we'll make sure we got it right or we get it right. You know, so and even if you kick something, you know, it's part of the human thing and it's part of it's human error, part of the game. And believe me, there's seven innings that somebody's done something wrong, whether it be coaching, player, officials. Uh, when I see that perfect game, it's time to hang up the cleats. So a little Michael Jordan reference there. I love it. The last rule we're going to talk about here is runners leaving the base early. Um, I, I'm interested, I love doing these podcasts because especially when we get to the sports, I don't supervise and I don't work. I, I'm learning with the listeners here. Um, so if there are rule differences of when runners can leave the base in, in certain rule sets, um, let's point that out. But again, when, what is the rule when the runners could leave? Um, what are the umpire's responsibilities so we could see um, these violations? And then the penalty... And then once again, you know, how do you explain it to a coach? Again, leaving early, you know, in the USA, it says when the, the batter fails to con keep in contact with the base to which the runner is entitled until the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. 
And there's some effects there, Section 7R-S, and then the ball's dead, no pitch is declared, the runner's out, and then you got 8.7S. So, um, And that's in USA. In, in college, the base runner leaving the base prior to the release of the pitch is a del- delayed dead ball. And in Federation, it's the same as USA. So um, we we look at giving the benefit of the doubt to the offense because in a two-person umpire, if it's a right-handed pitcher, you're looking for that release point. So if it gets down towards that leg past that hip, more than likely it's been released. And you'll get to, again, it's real important during watching these pitchers warm up glance at that stuff prior to game time, you know, during those warm-up pitches to see how that pitcher's setting up and releasing the ball. If you're working multiple umpires, any one of us can grab that, especially if it's obvious. Um, Go out and get it early. You know, we certainly don't want to do it, you know, in the seventh inning if we haven't called it uh, one through six. So it's, um, it's one of those things where we don't, we, we hear a lot, and, and keep in mind, I tell all my officials, we need to watch every touch because they have a coach assigned to every base, and they're watching every base touched and somebody leaving early. That's their job. So, And we're not going to probably hear it from an assistant coach. More than likely, it's all going to be fed through the, the head coach. Um, so they know. Uh, I wouldn't say don't use the phrase they teach you till you get caught. I don't think that's true anymore. Um, you know, if you're if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I honestly don't think that that's being applied anymore because um, you know we wouldn't want to cheat, so we don't expect them to cheat as well. So I mean, there are times when it's very difficult with a runner at first base, and you could call obstruction on the first baseman if she's not allowing that runner at first base to see that pitcher. So, again, you better know what you're doing, and you better call it early, and you better be consistent with it because if you call it on one side, you're going to have to call it on the other side as well. Um, again, sometimes it's a, a delay, de- delay dead ball. Sometimes it's a dead ball, you know, and um, know your differences when you need to get together to say one or the other. Um and again, communicate with your umpires on the field. And we're hoping we have either a two-man, one of the two of us are smarter than the other. Or if you're working with three, you probably got two out of three that really know the rules in depth detail. Um, and it's I mean, it's just not about going out and calling the game. You've got to put your nose in the book. You can have study sessions all day long. You know, somebody can go ahead and forward somebody else's test on to somebody. But that case book is probably your best best book that's out there mechanics is great but that case book is unbelievable that's where you learn umpires make sure you take time I, i've heard uh, jim say it a couple times pre-game these three rules um before each game to confirm you know what is each umpire looking for what is the rule for that level of play and then what is the penalty uh, for that level of play we're going to go into extra innings here with Jim. Um, if there's a listener who's a softball umpire and wants to work in the G-Pack, work high school in Nebraska, or work the summer tournaments you assign, what's the best way for that listener to get a hold of you and to get started working softball games with you? 
you know, it's simply you know, reaching out to me either by, by text, you know, and I'll leave my number here, 402-740-3915, or my email address, J-L-J-A-Bewley, B as in boy, E-W-L-E-Y, at gmail.com. Um, and we'll put you with folks that uh, will train you accordingly and properly and based on what I get back from other folks that may know you, other assigners as well, to put you at a level where we think you should feel comfortable. Because uh, it's there's nothing more than thinking that we're better than we think we are. Um, but we have to see. I will not just throw somebody out on a high school diamond without a good reference, um, without seeing somebody. For the most, I, I don't work any tournament uh, unless I absolutely have to step out on the diamond. So that makes me available in the event something takes place. So I'm always out and about, either UIC in a tournament or watching a tournament, making my way there on a Friday, a Saturday, you know, or a Sunday. I will make my way to three or four events. And then once you start climbing the ranks and we have that, you know, comfort in you to say, hey, he can or she can apply those rules. Um Right now, I will tell you, if you're a female, you are going to be on a fast track. I tell people all the time as a male, um, I'm one that sticks out, you know, and stands out for the ladies in Title IX as well. And uh, even when it comes to, you know, equity and equality, um, it doesn't matter if it's uh, playing baseball or softball. I think we both deserve the same thing. And so we're going to give you that opportunity and you've got a chance to you know, instill yourself probably sooner than some folks. I mean, yeah, there is an age thing where we're, we're looking at, I should have known this years ago when our old assigner said, Hey, you know, Jim, Matt, uh, some of the guys that I work with, you know, if you're looking, if we're really looking for some help here, if you know somebody that possibly could step into the ranks into a division one game, we could sure use their help this weekend. And that was probably 15 years ago. So had we known then what we know now, we should have been recruiting and retaining then and applying that retention then. And I'm not one myself. I'm going to sit here and and more and so brag about the individual more. I will not sit here and, you know, pat myself on the back or and say, you know, I, I did an outstanding job when I may have messed up, but I'm going to give my crew all the credit, you know, and I'm not going to drag them through the mud. I want them to listen. I prefer if they don't interrupt while I'm doing my pregame um, at the college level. It's probably at least 30 minutes and I'm OK with them stopping me if I've gone on too long. But on the flip side is, is we've got a job to do. And again, we're working for that or an employee of that employer for that three game series um, at the lower levels, you know, you're still working for an assigner, um, how you interact with coaches and fans uh, means a lot. Um, we don't want that confrontation. All it does is reflect on our association. Um, and a lot of folks that work a lot of games, I think at times, you know, too many games is too much. The body needs the rest. The mind needs the rest. And sometimes we're just, you know, we have to put people out there, but we're probably doing sometimes more harm than good at times. But with the shortage of officials, we're doing all the best that we can do. And so I say that, you know, reach out to your local assigners, you know, get involved in some in-house ball first, and then we'll get you to a point where you feel comfortable. And again, with no guarantees, 
Uh, I know there's people that say that, you know, someone's guaranteed them an opportunity to go here, go there. You know, just because you work a fall ball college game, rather for, you know, Sean and baseball, myself or softball, doesn't mean you're going to work next spring, you know, and people say, well, I paid 160 bucks. I understand that. But on the flip side is, is you paid for that knowledge that's going to come to you via maybe an application on your phone, you know, and I say today, you know, I'm 58. Some of my friends are even a little bit older than I am. This isn't the Pony Express. You got to get with it, you know, by means of carrying a phone that you can, you know, receive text messages, notifications, you know, have the app on your phone. Uh, we don't have time for, you know, the pony broke down. You know, the delivery guy fell off the horse. So we're looking for that next person. If you have your uniform and you're ready, let's face it, every assigner has that has that you have to put out there because of a last minute situation. We don't have time to shuffle some people. So understand that you as a, maybe that opportunity might give you a chance to shine and say, man, he or she demonstrated some great leadership, you know, approachable management. Game management is huge in any sport. If you can do, if you can manage a game, you know, I know, I work other sports and it's just, I was chosen for my current job because of how I can manage people, you know, and these aren't kind people at times. We all know. And I, I know coaches may listen to this. They, they all know um, the rapport that a lot of us have with them are great, but they're not your best friends. So. You said a lot of great stuff here in the next part. And I'll sp- sort of back up with what you're saying is we are sp- short sports officials and I'll, I'll hear all the time of why is this umpire on this game why why is this umpire still getting games and my response is well I'm all about removing the umpires that can't work at a certain level but we need replacements so coaches out there who maybe this is your last year coaching and you want to stay involved in the game make sure you reach out to Jim Bewley because He'll be more than happy to train you. He'll be more than happy to help you get a uniform and get you around umpire. So like he said, one umpire isn't working eight games in one day. Rather, we have more umpires and split it four games and four games. Um, Jim, I know you have a, a very exciting schedule coming up um, for this college season. As an on-field umpire, what is your biggest challenge that you have throughout the season? And then what are you looking forward to the most in this 2023 campaign? Well, they kind of clarified and cleaned up one mechanic for us. And, and I was always one that anytime I may be counter-rotated as a first base umpire or anytime, you know, a third base umpire may be rotated over when a ball's hit over your head. I mean, I see a lot of people stagger and wondering, what do I do? What, do I, what I, should I go out? Should I come in? And I've been burned on it, you know, with a, I guarantee you, you know, they left early. And, um, and you, if you start hesitating to where you want to move and open up or not let somebody know you're either staying in or coming out, they're highly recommending now either to go out or come back in because you start, opening up and then you start turning and next thing you know, you got your, your back turned and there goes the ball over the top of your head. So 
we've been informed for 2023. Let's start getting in more when we have the chance in those situa- situations. Because you don't know where that ball's going. You know, you kind of – I look at every pitch. I look at where the defense is at because the, the, the ball strike count sometimes may dictate where they moved. They may move back to the original spot. I don't want to crowd somebody. So for 2023, I mean, you know, again, I've got goals again to to go back to postseason. And if I don't, hey, it's great that maybe somebody younger or somebody else got an opportunity to go do it. I've been there, done it. Um, it, it was a fun ride. And, uh, you know, I, I'm debating here if I should retire from my regular job, which I can do in July and then do this full time, because if, if you're open and you're available, you know, it isn't only about availability. It's about the quality of games that you call. So and, and it's every game, in my opinion, I work at like a championship game. Um, you know, I give it all I can. I don't care if it's on a basketball court and I, or a baseball field or a softball field. I'm going to give it all I can, you know, and um, you, you've got to tell yourself someday there, there is an end to this. And I thought it might have been last year. Uh, when a gentleman, you know, had a situation and uh, tried to put the blame on me, you know, and uh, pretty high level official don't want to cross paths in the wrong direction or with him or her. And I'm thankful that I even had a lady working with me in defense of a pregame that we talked about. And, um, you know, it was one of those situations where it could, it could have hurt me bad. It could have hurt me real bad. And, I was able to stand up and be professional about it and say, you know, we pregame that and uh, that is your call. He just missed a call earlier. Now she's all over him. And um, I'm sorry, but uh, we are a team here and and I don't want to, I don't want to disrupt or cause a problem. And I I trust all three of us. And we, as a crew, because you have to have, it's all about crewness. So, I mean, my goal is again, is to continue to work with the younger officials instill that confident. I mean, they're the future. I'm not. So, and the most important thing is you've got to go out and have fun. If you're not having fun, it's time to hang it up. When someone calls out and says, you know what, this game's too fast for you, or it's not about you. um, They could be sarcastic, but sometimes that's reality. Yep. Well, Jim, thank you for not only taking time out today, with Premier Sports Official Association and PSOA podcast. But thank you for all the time you take out for the next generation of umpires and the partners that you work with previously in this year. The hope is this information that Jim shared with us today will help coaches, players, and fans, and umpires better understand the rules of softball and encourage those listening to join the community of softball umpires. Make sure you follow us at our YouTube channel, and our Facebook page and our Twitter page. Just search Time Out with PSOA. Thank you again, Jim. Thank you, Sean. And until the next Time Out with PSOA, sports officials, remember, you're only as good as your last call. A Heard at Sports Network production.